0: Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Raptors headquarters. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg, with you here this afternoon. We got one hour down, one hour to go, and we go around the association. We talked Raptors in that first hour. We just heard from Jack Armstrong before the break, talking about everything Raptors as they finish their road their road trip, three and three. But when it comes to the NBA, LeBron James is 32, if I'm not mistaken and has probably one of the most mileages on his body when it comes to NBA players in today's current NBA. Last night, he hit the milestone mark of 29,000 points, and it came of 57 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. He shot 67.6% from the, 6% from the floor and 50% from the three-point line, and this Cavs team needed all of it against the Wizards last night. What is it about LeBron and the fact that he's able to do this at this age with the amount of miles he has because it's not just NBA miles. It's also international miles when you also throw in the Olympics and what he's been able to do. And it seems that he takes it to another level every single season, but he needs the rest of the old guys to join him on that roster because
1: they have the oldest roster on average age. LeBron James, in my mind, is the best player in the NBA right now, period. Um, is that up for debate amongst the three of us? No. Nope. Okay, cool. We're on, we're on the same page.
2: <laughs> Continue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Turns 33 this year. Um, we know he could do this whenever he wants to. But it's not going to be very. It's not going to make sense for him. Like, I mean, he can't afford to play 43 minutes and do everything for his team. And he has players do it. Step up. But the problem is, this team hasn't risen to the occasion. Um, LeBron James can carry this team on his back, but that doesn't benefit. And based on all the minutes you mentioned, the playoff minutes, you know, the continuous trips to the finals, the Olympics. So this is not really good for LeBron. But I think his team needed it based on how they've been playing. The four-game losing streak, the questions, the doubt. But LeBron James can do this. The Cleveland Cavaliers have their own other problems entirely.
2: I-, I see people on Twitter saying, well, look, this is what happens when you underestimate the Cavs. and it was such an impressive victory and all that. I mean, come on. They needed 130 points and 57 from LeBron James to beat the Wizards. That's after four straight losses, all of them to expected lottery teams, most of them blowouts, and even after yesterday's... Big season saving win, they're still dead last in the NBA (laughs) in defense. Uh, this is a team that I'm still concerned about. Now, here's where I stand on the Cavs long term. As long as LeBron James is healthy, they are going to be favored in any playoff series against an Eastern Conference team. Agreed. That's the reality. Well come that time of the season. Come the springtime, everyone just expects them to flip on the switch because that's what they do. But this is a different Cavs team. This is probably the most vulnerable that we've seen a LeBron James team since his first stint in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. They're old, as you mentioned. They're relying on injury-prone veteran players some of whom we haven't even seen how they fit with this group. Isaiah Thomas, we don't know when he's going to be back or what kind of condition he's going to be in when he is back. So I do think there's an opportunity in the East. I I don't think the Cavs will finish with the best record in the Eastern Conference this season, so that opens the door for somebody. And even in the playoffs, uh, I mean, you're still afraid of them, absolutely. You still want to avoid them because you want to avoid LeBron James. But I don't think they inspire as much fear no. in the hearts of opponents as they have in years past.
1: Yeah, and if if, if they're LeBron, re- relying on LeBron to do these kind of performances, which he can do, it's not going to work. It's not going to of them far. And you mentioned, too, the, how bad their defense is. Isaiah Thomas is a big guy they're looking at, but he's not a guy who's going to help them the defensive end either. No. So So the playoffs uh, it's going to be tough.
0: And, and two things. To your point about the defensive end, it's funny how everybody made a, a – you know, everybody was – Big hoopla because they got Jay Crowder in that in the Kyrie Irving trade, and he has actually not been good defensively. He has been terrible defensively. After he has shown in in Boston that he actually is one of the better defenders in the league, and they thought that was going to be a little bit of help, especially on the defensive end. Jeff Green, terrible defender, all as well. J.R. Smith hasn't been able to do anything on offense or defense either. When I, I want to ask about legacy, because that's the conversation we always hear about LeBron James, and he's he said himself he's chasing the ghost of MJ. Jr. Smith actually posted a picture of the twenty nine thousand points and captioned it, "What else do you want from him? Is there anything else LeBron needs to do to improve his legacy and stop?" The, the the narrative and the conversation that he's he's never going to be MJ, he's never going to do this. At the end of the day, in my opinion, you can not be like MJ, but you can be a top 50 player in NBA history in your own sense and I think in my opinion LeBron James has made a case that he deserves to be in that conversation not compared to MJ but in his own right
2: it's tough because the easy answer to that question what does he need to do to be considered at the level of MJ the easy answer is win win more championships but that's easier said than done in the era in which he's playing because as great as he is and as good as his teams have been he's going up against arguably the best constructed team in history, in, in the Warriors, so knocking them off is not going to be easy, and that's maybe why we see him make another move over the in the offseason, if it does give him a better chance to compete with the Warriors, even if it does mean going to the West and not having as easy a path to the finals as he has in the East, if he feels like he has a better shot at knocking off the Warriors with a team in the West... It might make more sense to do that. That said, and I've been saying this for years, regardless of what his resume looks like, I think LeBron James is the most skilled basketball player of all time. The most naturally talented right. player of all
1: time. But we know it's a comparison. And but, I'm he's not not the,
2: but he's you. not the best.
1: How far away, I mean, aside from championships, and the fact that I think it's important that we can actually have this conversation. Like, four years ago it was say and to to MJ you're like what are you crazy you can't talk about LeBron and MJ in the same category right. we can have this conversation now and they're all the conversations is going to say no he has to win more but the fact that he's done so much in his career the, the gold medals the trip to the finals the stuff he's done we can actually talk. he can be in the same sentence and I think he's past Kobe we're not even talking about Kobe and Kobe has won rings.
0: you think his legacy is better than Kobe's
1: yes yeah I think it is I think it is. And that's kind of odd because Kobe patterned his whole life after after, after MJ. MJ. He won the ring. He did it all. And LeBron is kind of like, I feel like he's passive in that regard. And that's, that's interesting.
2: Well, there's very little comparison in terms of the games, right? MJ right. versus LeBron. They're such different right. players. But when I say LeBron is the most physically gifted player of all time, we just haven't seen anybody like him to the level in which he's established himself. I mean, that combination of... Speed and strength, power, all the things that he can do at that size on both ends of the floor. We've never seen anything like that. Um, So in that sense, he's more talented, I think, more naturally gifted than Michael Jordan was, but in terms of the body of work, in terms of the player, the killer, well, I don't even want to say killer instinct, because LeBron has a killer instinct, but right. MJ just to a, different level, a different level. He yeah. Yeah. A different exactly.
1: level. I think that's why kind of people hold him in high regard, because his desire and competitive spirit and will to win and being clutch in those moments is kind of what makes you the greatest of all time. Yes, And not that LeBron doesn't have it, but as you mentioned, they're different players, right? Like, LeBron is going to find the best shot for his team as opposed to saying, I'm going to take this shot and that's that's part of the conversation too but
0: although he's not taking like to your point what you just said Dwayne like he's when it comes to LeBron he's looking to make the the right play in the clutch moments right. MJ was willing to take the shot whether it was right or wrong whatever it may be does that say like does that kind of give LeBron an edge because he's willing to not just be the one who takes the shot if the shot's there he'll take it but he's also got the brain and the head to. Look for the person who actually has the better shot. Because we can all say, you go back to the, when they won and Kyrie hit that clutch shot, LeBron could have the ball in his hands. Why wasn't he? Everyone can make that argument. But LeBron knows the moments when he needs the ball in his hands to make the play or when he needs the ball in his hands to be the play.
2: Well, it depends on the night, right? When, yeah. when it works, everyone says, oh, wow, he, he, look how unselfish he right. is. Yeah. Look how much better, look how, how much he empowers his teammates. But on the nights where it doesn't work, it's well he doesn't have he's, the he's killer instinct. He's not clutch. Yeah. He, he's deferring. Why is he deferring? So, I mean, it, he is going to go down if not as if not as the best player of all time or one of the best players of all time. Definitely is one of the most polarizing in the sense that he's always elicited a strong reaction from people. Whether yeah. it's positive, whether it's the people that that love him mm-hmm. and, and admire him. As a player or the people that are always going to look for something, something that's keeping him out of the MJ conversation?
1: People need to recognize that right now they're watching probably top 10, at least top 10 best player of all time right now. Like it's happening and right in front of our Easily eyes. Easily top 10. You don't appreciate these things until they're gone. It's like, it's happening. I mean, there's people who didn't get to see MJ and I mean, I got to see MJ, but LeBron is that good. And he can, as he continues to ascend the ladder, he might be, you know, top five or number one, but you know don't don't lose sight of the fact that there's greatness happening right in front of right.
2: You'll miss him when he's gone people. The good yeah. news is it looks like he's playing until he's like 60 probably. <laughs> What's crazy
0: to me before before we go is the fact that one he has as you were mentioning Josh just his 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 physical being as a as a athlete. He has a physical being that he could not just play basketball. He could play football and yeah. he could he could contend with the best of them. I think if he grew like he grew up playing football and then decided, Okay, well, I'm really good at basketball, I'm gonna go this route. If he went and, and put in the work that he put into play ball at a professional level, I think he could have been great at football. Oh, the dude and is the, just an athlete. And he the could other do anything. Thing that blows my mind and you guys kinda touched on it. With the miles on his body, I am in awe that he has not suffered a serious injury.
1: Yeah, and in what, that,
0: 15 seasons? Not so, To add Knock to that, even,
1: even like just briefly, we talk about physical but mental. Like this is a guy who in high school was being called the next one. And he's kind of met expectations at every step. We've seen it with other guys where the pressure's there. Like eyes have been on him since before he left to finish high school. Since before he could drink legally. So And he's still been that great player. So I think that's a credit to, to the mental fortitude of this guy as well as physical.
2: Led the league in minutes last year.
0: It, it, it's insane. It's and might insane. have to again this year. Probably 100% will. Probably will. It's been fun to watch, and we will continue to watch. Keep it locked right here. Home court continues. 2.30, Sekou Smith will join us to talk everything NBA. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 headquarters. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg here with you on a Saturday afternoon. Gentlemen... Before I throw some topics at you, I, it's a little rant, but it's also something you guys can get in on in the conversation. I have, a, I have a little bit of a beef with sports media across the board. Okay. And not just, it, everyone at every station is guilty for it, and I'm actually sick of it. Whoa. I... 22 years has been the narrative. The narrative since the Houston Astros, congrats to them winning the World Series. I know, the what First championship in, two, in 22 years. That is actually incorrect, and I'm sick of that narrative. It's been 17 years, 1997, 98, 99, and 2000, the first team and only team that has four-peated in a championship, the WNBA's Houston Comets. And that city went nuts. It's hard enough to do one. It's hard enough to go back-to-back. But these women, Cynthia Cooper, Tina Thompson, Cheryl Swoops, and the late, great Kim Peratt, went four straight titles. And not one media outlet has given them the respect that is deserved for something that is damn near impossible. And in my opinion, that is crap. We're, we're guilty of it at this station. Sportsnet, ESPN, NBA, everyone has been guilty of it. MLB, everyone. It has not been 22 years since a Houston team has won. It has been 17. They won the last one in 2000.
1: You're right. I, I think that's um, we look at sports media and like how things are skewed and the level of importance they put WNBA as a sport and I think they talk about the four major sports and you've got basketball baseball um, NBA uh, sorry hockey football. football and hockey is even not even considered a the major sports but WNBA is further down the line in that and I think from a factual standpoint from a media standpoint you should know what's up in terms of saying that this is not the first team but um I'm not saying it's acceptable, but you can see why it's been overlooked, though. I'm not saying it's okay, because the facts are facts. But you can see that how major sports media doesn't look at the WNBA as a a major sport.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, if if you're going to say something like that, you've got to throw at the qualifier, right? The first uh, title in the so-called four major sports yes. in blank amount of years. Because it's not just the w- WNBA. I right. mean. In terms of Toronto sports goes, when you have that conversation of it's been this long since, I guess it would be the Blue Jays, won the World Series. The yeah. World Series you're obviously not including... The Argos in there. You're not including in that conversation teams like the Marlies or the Rock, right? So that's it's it's not just the WNBA that that get left out. I mean, I mean, generally there's considered to be the four major North American leagues: the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NFL. Um, I mean, there's an argument that it shouldn't be that way, right? And, certainly, and it shouldn't right? But I guess that's that's the unspoken qualifier i guess that people are are using in that conversation
0: i think i think if they're going to use that narrative they need to be specific oh yeah. and, and but it's but facts. even even then in my opinion i still think it's 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 crap that you're not looping in the women's Game for it being a major sport. At the end of the day, in my opinion, i don't I don't
2: think it's a sexist in thing. my
0: in my. I'm not saying it's sexist, but it can be construed that way. Because in my opinion, why do they get left out? Because they're because the women's game is not up at that so level. Does the, so they're does the CFL. So
2: does minor league hockey. Exactly. So does and the, I
0: think I think it's a crap narrative that they use the four major sports as the narrative to get away with it. I think it's crap
1: in well, my opinion. I, I, I agree with you, but it's they are the major sports. I mean, like the CFL wouldn't constitute a major sport. So I mean. They're called major sports for a reason. Like we could even argue if there's really four. Um, but you're right, though. From a factual standpoint, the H- city of Houston won a championship that had prayed four years in a row. They were dynasty. They ran the WNBA. They kind of really set the tar- set the book, set the bar for that league and had elite players playing. And it's so unfortunately it gets forgotten. And I think like you know, even if it- if that's coming out of Houston media, that's even more of a shame.
0: It, it yeah, it sadly was unfortunately. But we'll we'll go we'll go to something we'll go bigger and we'll go to Shaq and Kobe and. In your opinion, Isaiah Thomas, this generation's Isaiah Thomas, not the right. the '90s generation, Isaiah Thomas, said he w- he was asked if anyone would be able to take on Kobe and Shaq, and he flat out said, "Hell no." Do you agree or disagree in that sense that anyone would be able in today's NBA stop Shaq and Kobe?
1: It's it's always tough with different eras. Um, are we talking about Shaq in his prime? Because <laughs> there's different levels of Shaq. <laughs> I'm uh, guessing Shaq and Kobe about. in their prime. I mean Shaq. And, I mean Shaq and Kobe a phenomenal duo. I mean like you can't you can't take anything away from them. But it depends on the context. Is this two on two? Is this five on five? Because Shaq and Kobe are also surrounded by like great shooters like Robert Ory and Derek Fisher and guys who could spread the 4 for them. Um, and also looking at today's game, you can have bigs who can extend the 4 to kind of take Shaq out of the four, out, of, out of the paint defensively. Um, They are a formidable duo. I I don't know if I'd say hell no, but I definitely obviously recognize what they've done as champions and what they could have done if they continued to play together.
2: It's so tough to compare eras, right? Because, as we know, it's a copycat league, and and teams generally emulate whoever is the most successful at any given time. So right now, it's the Warriors, and the Warriors are absolutely at the top. So could Golden State stop Shaq and, and Kobe in their prime? Probably not, because they're not designed to. But at the same time, you could say, could those Lakers teams stop this current Warriors team? And I would say, probably not. Right.
0: Lonzo Ball. We, we got, oh, no. We, we, we always, you know. As some, long as you said
1: Lonzo, not LeVar. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I, went, I went son. LeVar's son. Um, I prefer to talk about <laughs> him, actually. So <laughs> so Charles Barkley, being, Chuck being Chuck, said that, in his opinion, Lonzo Ball will never be an all-star point guard. Agree or disagree?
2: It's really tough to be an all star point guard in the West, so it could take him some time. Ask Damian Lord. But considering he's two weeks into his NBA career, it's a pretty hot take to make a statement like that, I would say. Uh, actually,
1: I saw some of the trials inside the NBA talking about it, and he talked about, by and large, his shot release, which is a problem based on how, where he releases the ball from. But more importantly, if you look at his numbers, he doesn't shoot the ball a lot. I mean, he facilitates his teammate. He makes great passes. We got we talked about like IQ before on, on the show, but he's not much of a shooter um, and doesn't take... Like, he's almost he's like looking for his teammates more than looking for himself to be an right. option. I think I think as an all-star, you have to be able to do those things to set up your teammates, but be, be able to score when needed. And I mean, like you said, it's early, but I think there's things that he needs to kind of the, the work on in his game, because if I'm I don't have to. He's not drawing attention on the defensive end from a player. I'm watching him to make the pass. So I'm not worried about him scoring. And I think that's what he has to add to his game to kind of be that triple threat that we've seen from him so far in the league.
0: Yeah, you can almost, when you're defending him, you can almost be like a couple feet off of him, let him shoot it, because you if you're a defender, you'd rather let him take the shot because he's most likely going to miss based on what we've seen early on than him be able to have that step on you to attack and then make that that pass because that's what he's best at. And
1: conversely, look at a player who's got a similar skill set in terms of being more random like Ben Simmons, who you don't really question. I mean, based on conference or not, Ben Simmons looks like he has the tools from an (laughs) offensive standpoint.
2: He might do it this year. He might be an all-star in the East. The lesson lesson here is if you want to be an all-star, go go to the East. Period.
0: (laughs) We continue on here on home court. Coming up, we'll be joined by NBA contributor Sekou Smith. We'll talk everything NBA. Keep it locked. You're listening to Home Court on TSN.
1: Curry up top on the drive. Step back.
2: Jumper on C.J. Miles. Good. Steph Curry puts C.J. in the popcorn machine, Jack. He had him on roller skates. Here comes Golden State play Thompson. Catch and shoot three. And there's a quick five points, Jack, as Golden State goes up 18-16.
0: Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Raptors headquarters. Megan McPeak, Josh Lewenberg, Dwayne Watson. Joining us now on the line here on home court, NBA contributor. He's part of NBA TV. He does a lot of writing. You've probably seen it, read it. He also has the Hangtime podcast. Sekou Smith is joining us now. Sekou, thank you for, take, for taking some time this afternoon with us.
3: No problem. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. It's a little chilly up here in, uh, Toronto, but not as cold Hi. as it should be in November. But let's, let's jump right into it, Seku. Our poll question this week, we kind of tied it into your story that you wrote earlier in the season before it started and before we kick things off about the best duos in the NBA. In our poll question, we put it out there. Right now, we've got Durant and Curry leading with 66%. But when you look at that article you wrote before the season started and now two weeks in with all the injuries, how would you rank your, your first team that you put out that included the... Curry, Durant, uh, Westbrook and George, and I believe also Harden and Chris Paul were in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the injuries have kind of taken some of the starts out of some of those duos, to be honest with you. Um, You know, but when the lights are on on the biggest stage, I still think that that Kevin Durant and and Steph Curry are the guys that you have to look at. Um, They were so good in the finals last year. I know not a lot of people talked about the performance that Steph had because Durant was so good winning finals MVP but Steph had a great final um, overshadowed of course by what Durant did and, and also what LeBron and, and Kyrie were doing on the other side um, but to me it's about the championships and the ultimate goal is to, to walk at the end of the season and those two guys have done it and could potentially do it again and again over the course of the next few seasons.
2: When it's all said and done I mean those two will have a case to make uh, uh, that they are the best duo of all time, uh, presumably, if they spend enough time together. Is that something you look at when making uh, this, I guess, or having this debate, how much time a duo spends together? Is there a certain amount of seasons, certain amount of titles that you think they have to accumulate before we start talking about them in the conversation with the greatest duos of all time?
3: Yeah, and I, I think Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan um you know Magic and Kareem, um, even Kobe and Shaq might have something to say about Durant and Curry being the best of all time. Um, they've got some time to go. They've had the, you know an absolutely fantastic one season plus together, but they got a lot more time to spend with each other before we could, I think, put them in that Greatest of All Time category. They, they're certainly one of the most dynamic, you know, one-two punches we've seen, just because they can score from basically all over the floor. Um, but yeah, I think time, you know, has a lot to do with it. I felt like Kobe and Shaq really shortchanged themselves. If they'd have stayed together, who knows how many championships they may- might have played for and won? Um, what kind of numbers they would have piled up together? Uh, you know, but there's so many things that go into it. The, the, you know, personalities, where you are in your career, that dynamic has to, you know, be kind of interconnected and locked in and you know, it's, sometimes it's not meant to be for two great players to be together, you know, for a duration of their career. You know, one guy might want to run his own ship, as Kyrie, you know, certainly did this past summer getting out of Cleveland. You know, the ambitions are different. The time that you're at in your career might be different than the other guy. So you don't take it for granted. You enjoy it while you have them and, and watch those guys play at a high level and, and just hope it lasts for as long as it can.
1: Thakur, a great player in his own right, is Giannis and Um He doesn't have a great duo to, to back with him, but I mean, I know you looked at him as an MVP candidate. Um, obviously, his numbers off the chart, and we know what he brings. But do you think he can do it based on the win total that the Bucks may get this season? Because you know that usually, you know what the standard is usually for MVP candidates.
3: Sure, I mean, Russ Russ Westbrook kind of lowered the bar in terms of you know that. that that kind of metric of the best player on the best team, you know, generally being the guy that's the front runner for the MVP. Um, You know, the Thunder weren't a a top two or three team last year, and and Russ still won it, but he did it on the back of the historic season he had, the triple-doubles. Giannis is going to have a tougher time sustaining what we've seen from him early. Um, You know, and there are a bunch more MVP ladders to come on NBA.com. He's just number one on the first one. Uh, so I don't know that he he or anybody rooting for him should get too comfortable because, you know, you're trying to go out and be the league's leading scorer and most dynamic individual talent on a nightly basis on a team where you, you know, as you mentioned, he doesn't have a second guy who can really hold that standard up when he has an off night. So he's going to have to try and do it night after night at that elite level. And at 22, you know, five seasons in – That's something that's rarely done. It's going to be very difficult for him to sustain his level of play throughout the course of an entire regular season. When you know everybody's going to be game planning for him and preparing to to slow him down, stop him as best they can. Um, It'll prove this season if he's ready to take that step into you know that next step into greatness, or if he still needs time to get there.
0: Thank you, Smith of the NBA, joining us right now on TSN Home Court. Thank you. When you look at the Celtics, they. Lose getting Gordon Hayward in, in the opening night. Are you surprised without Gordon Hayward that they've been able to put things together now going seven straight wins in their season this early on?
3: No, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, not after watching that team last year that they had do what they did, you know, wrestle away the, the top seed going into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference from Cleveland and everybody else. They, you know, they're built on... A framework of the group being more important than one individual player. Uh, and it was certainly a blow to lose Gordon Hayward five minutes and 15 seconds into his Celtics tenure. I mean, nobody saw that coming, of course, with the kind of injury he had, knowing that it would wipe out his season. But you give credit to Brad Stevens um, for what he's done there and, and Danny Ainge for what they've built in terms of just an attitude and, and a way a style and a in a, a way they operate as a group. Um, I think Al Horford has been fantastic. Kyrie has been as dynamic as you would have hoped. Um, and the young guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they stepped up and, and played their tails off. And Boston is not going to go away quietly. They're going to be a team that I think is there all season long and, and certainly could be a factor in the playoffs because they weren't going to just be their stars this year it was you know it was gonna a lot of it was gonna fall on the shoulders of Kyrie and Gordon Hayward now Horford, but they were gonna be more than that if Brad Stevens had anything to do with it and he's just gonna have to do, you know again he's gonna have to do a great coaching job with that team.
2: Sticking with that earlier theme of duo Seku and looking at the Raptors specifically, I think what sets Lowry and DeRozan apart from a lot of those guys on your list is they sort of came together organically. They're self-made stars and they did it together. Here in Toronto, when you look at Lowry and DeRozan, uh, what area of their games have you seen the most the most growth from over the last few years?
3: I think mostly it's been about how well they play off of each other. Um, I, you know, I think they were really good players in their own right, but when you take two good players and they sit as well as those two guys do uh, on and off the floor, and the person you know, and the personalities, you guys know how fun they are to watch, you know, driving each other and, and giving each other the business, you know, in um, and interviews and, and stuff like that, that makes it uh, even more enjoyable. And you're right. It, that's an organic partnership that is different from some of these other, um, you know, situations that have been manip- manipulated by either the player or the franchise where you're picking a couple of guys and hoping that they, they mesh well together and, and, and can play off of each other. Um, I think the other part about what Kyle and, and DeMar do that, that I really like is they know how to step aside for each other and allow the other one to get rolling and not concern themselves with who's getting shots, who's going to you know, be the hot hand that night, who's going to be the guy that carries the load that night. And that takes some serious ego checking um, you know, because not every player is going to be able to go out there and allow the other guy to get going like that and not care and not be concerned about, well, did I hold a mind of the bargain? Did I get my numbers? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Um, I think the the next step for them, of course, is just finding a way to break through in the playoffs. They got to the conference finals a couple years ago. You know, if you want to be considered one of those great dynamic duos, you know, you have to have a victory on that biggest stage. you got to have a chance where you get a, get a breakthrough moment. Um, and I think Bradley Beal and John Wall are, are in a similar situation where, you know, everybody knows how talented they are, but they have yet to, to have that breakthrough moment. And uh, I think the Raptors and the Wizards are going to be riding that mix in Eastern Conference this year based on the, the value and the play of those dynamic duos that they have.
1: Well, Seiko, you wrote the story. We're going to keep talking duos, obviously. One that we haven't really got to see a lot of, James Harden and Chris Paul. When he's back, how do you think they're going to work out? And can they? Can that backcourt, that team, be better than they were last year?
3: I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if... If whatever the measurement was for better, if it's just wins, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if they can be better just in a, from a win loss perspective. They need to be better from a, you know, when they get to the playoffs and and you know James Harden was completely out of gas. There was nobody there to kind of lift him up. This time, Chris Paul has to be there to, to tote that load. If Harden, you know, is in a situation where it, uh, the other team has figured out a way to limit his effectiveness and. Or if he's worn out from having to grind early in the season without chris paul um you know c p three needs to be the guy that steps up and 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 carries that that mantle for him um I wasn't as big a fan of of that partnership when the trade went down. I just didn't see and i'm sorry not a trade but you know when the when the decision really for chris Paul to get out of the Clipper clipperland and go there. It's more than trading. It's just his decision to leave the Clippers and, and start over. I didn't see the fit that apparently those guys and some other people around the league did. I've talked to a lot of scouts, front office people, who love the idea of those two guys playing together. Um, but to me, it seemed like it was those two guys and there was a third move that was supposed to happen that obviously didn't. Carmelo Anthony's in Oklahoma City. Um, I, I just don't know how you take two guys that ball dominant and keep them both effective if they're playing together. But they're great players, and, and they, you know, generally great players figure out how to sacrifice for the greater good in a situation like that. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how that relationship evolves throughout the rest of the season.
2: Some unexpected storylines early in the season, especially coming from the wide-open Eastern Conference. Is there a team out there uh, so early in the season, Seku, that has surprised you, the biggest surprise team so far?
3: Sure. I, look, there are several in the East. Um, Detroit, Orlando, even Philly. Um, I had—I know a lot of people had high hopes for Philly, that they would maybe finally turn a corner with their young guys being healthy and being ready to play, even though Markel Fultz, of course, has fallen to the Philly curse, uh, you know, that redshirt season or that abbreviated rookie season or in hiccup rookie season season. Um, but I, I love what I'm seeing from those teams in particular. Andre Drummond has come back a much improved free throw shooter. Aaron Gordon looks like he's ready to take a step. And Joel Embiid and and Ben Simmons are, out, I mean, they're outstanding young talents, dynamic guys. You know, triple doubles for for Simmons already. Embiid, if you look at his numbers, just crunch them in terms of the amount of time he's on the floor and what kind of impact he has. You know, it's very hard to imagine somebody doing more with less. In terms of time, um, but I love all, I love seeing what the you know Pacers young guys are doing and Victor Oladipo and and Sabonis. You know, we paying everybody paying that deal when he went down. You know, thinking that they got fleeced giving Paul George away for a couple of guys who are not all stars. But there's a very good chance if Oladipo can sustain his level of play, that he'll be in the mix. You know, his name will at least be mentioned as a potential all star in the Eastern Conference. So it's it's early. I understand that. You know, I mean, people are just throwing away the Halloween decorations. You haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet um, down here. So you can't make too many lasting impressions about what you've seen. But I, I usually go until Christmas. I tell people all the time, by Christmas, I think the league has, will have settled itself a little bit. People will be in a groove, and, and teams will be kind of who and what they are for the duration. And you can get a better gauge of, of what we're seeing. Right now, it's an adrenaline rush. Good and bad around the league like the teams that start well they can have that for a few weeks the team that come out of the gate struggling they have to you know continue to fight and and figure out who and what they're going to be you know in that first few weeks of the season but by Christmas we'll know you know what we see now and what we see by then what's real and what's not
0: thank you thank you for the time we appreciate you joining us today
3: sure thank you
0: Once again, NBA contributor Sekou Smith joining us here on Home Court. We continue on. We'll talk more as we look ahead to this week in the NBA. You're listening to Home Court right here on TSN.
2: This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
0: Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Raptors headquarters. Megan McPeak, Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson. As we talk through the NBA. When you look ahead at this week's games, I know at least for Raptors fans, they're going to be keeping an eye on the Twitterverse when it comes to John Wall and him injuring that shoulder last night, leaving the arena in a sling. And if he'll even, one, be in Toronto and two, if he'll be in uniform playing tonight, playing tomorrow night, excuse me. So that I imagine will be a storyline we'll be keeping our eyes on. But is there any other, you know, games? I'm even, you know, when I look at the schedule, I'm actually interested to see the Nuggets and Golden State tonight. That's a game that I might, I'm looking at and I'm like, the Nuggets might sneak one out of there.
2: I, I, there were a bunch of people on Twitter that were like beating on the Raptors. Not that they needed more beating, more of a beating on, mm-hmm. on Wednesday night saying, how do you lose to this team? And I'm thinking, Hey, the, the Nuggets have been sneaky good. Yeah. Since the second half of last year, uh, they, they're coming on now over the last couple of weeks. They've won four or five games. So it's not just that blowout win over the Raptors. This is going to be an offensive. Slugfest. Uh, you had the Warriors, the number one offensive team in the NBA last year, and the Nuggets, who are the number one offensive team in the second half of, of last year. Defense is going to be the key, I think, here. Neither of them have been great to start the season, but there's a lot of firepower on, on both of those teams, both fast paced teams. So that's going to be a fun game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the Nuggets. I mean, you're essentially talking about a team from last year. You're giving up Gallinari, and you're picking up Paul Mosap. So that's definitely an improvement, obviously, in guys who are younger and healthier this season for them. So that's interesting. I think the, the Warriors are like playing on a different level right now. But, I mean, I'm looking at the upcoming week for the Raptors. I mean, they got Washington, Chicago, and New Orleans all at home. By next week, when we're talking about they could have gone 3-0 at home this week. So right. I think pretty positive. Another team, Orlando, I still can't get over how they're still continuing to, like— played at this such, a, such a good level with essentially the same team they had last year. I mean, John Simmons is only real big addition. Of course, Aaron Gordon's getting better and whatnot. But they're still a team that's doing well at, at performing. I don't get it.
2: Yeah, they're at the top of the list in terms of surprises in the Eastern Conference with uh, a fellow 6-3 and three team, the Detroit Pistons. Jack mentioned them yeah. earlier, Detroit, uh, Orlando, both of them getting off to good starts. I'm not sure we expected much from either team, but certainly the Magic. Uh, I looked at them to be in the conversation with... Uh, The Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks, both of them have been terrible. But another team that I would have thrown into that conversation, the Indiana Pacers, and they've been pretty solid as well. Maybe we judge that Paul George trade too early. We know how these things are sort of unpredictable. We saw that with the Raptors when they traded Rudy Gay for a collection of four uh, complementary pieces. Mm -hmm. And that not only worked out for the Raptors, but that sparked what's been this sustained uh, stretch uh, of success for them. So when you look at the Pacers, still early, of course, but they're fourth in the league in offense. They're putting up points right now.
0: They put up, what, 124 against the Cavs?
2: Yeah, Victor Oladipo looks like an all-star. DeMontis Sabonis looks like a a really good young big man averaging a double-double and shooting well over 60% right now.
1: They're getting Miles Turner back, too, to add to that equation,
2: so...
0: It, it it the East people always talk have been talking about and continue to talk about how the East is terrible and it's easy to play in and that's why LeBron stays in the East. But I actually think that the East is sneaky good this year no, and people it, just aren't paying attention early on at least. It's, it's terrible. That, it's good.
2: terrible. That's why these bad teams are able to do well, I think. You but
0: I, I but they're giving they're they're giving teams that shouldn't be losing to them L's that come playoff time can Essentially, screw them for playoff seating. And it, it Maybe. in my opinion, that's good that the East, that teams that aren't supposed to be competing are competing and making it tougher for well, other teams when they're trying to get things good done. good for
1: basketball. It's good for watching. So you never know what's going to happen. I mean, a team like Indiana Cleveland, you look at that matchup and like, Cleveland's going to win it. NorFest, <laughs> Right. So, and like teams like Orlando, Detroit, teams have been bad. So it's like, it's all over the place. So when you look at it, we talked about the last two spots in the Eastern Conference. Where are they going to go? Yeah. Because right now, we don't know There's just
2: just such a massive disparity going back to the Nuggets and everyone saying, well, why are the Raptors losing to this team? I mean, the Nuggets are a team in the West. They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. They were just on the cusp last season. But where would they be in the East? I mean, legitimately, the Nuggets could be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference.
0: Another, Cavs have two tough games this week coming up actually too. They have the Bucks on Tuesday night and then Thursday night they have the Rockets. And given the way their defense has been, I imagine that those are going to be two two tough games that they don't necessarily want, especially two with the way you know LeBron. If LeBron has to, for them to get wins, LeBron might have to be putting up 40 points a game if their defense is going to continue to be as bad as it has been.
2: The the Milwaukee game will be a test for them, but as good as Giannis has been. Milwaukee's actually lost four of five now. And then you see what's happening with the Wizards. They've really struggled since getting off to a hot start. So that's what's interesting to me in this wide-open Eastern Conference. I, the the Cle- Cleveland struggles, they, they've been worse than I expected them to be out of the gate. But we knew it would take some time for Cleveland. But the two teams, in addition to the Raptors, that I thought would be able to take advantage of maybe a slow start from Cleveland were Milwaukee and Washington. Yeah. But they're sort of slipping. The Wizards... Uh, Like we were saying, we'll we'll see them tomorrow maybe without John Wall. But with or without John Wall, they've been almost as bad defensively as the Cavs have been. So the East is, is super interesting right now, as wide open as it's ever been. And if you're a Raptors fan, especially coming off of a pretty encouraging road trip, You've got to like their prospects going forward throughout this season because there's a a window open right
1: now. Two of the three top teams in the Eastern Conference, Chicago and Boston, had a lot of change over this year. And you're seeing that it's working for Boston, (laughs) miraculously for some reason. But for Cleveland, they haven't figured it out. There's different lineups. There's different players. Who's going to step up? Who's not? Vets. And this is an opportunity for teams like the Raptors, you mentioned, to take advantage of it. Washington's always been a concern for me because of their lack of depth. But, um, you know, they need to, the East is relatively wide open right now.
2: I like that comparison that you make there between Boston and Cleveland. Obviously, it's a natural one because of the trade that they made. But they are both working in new pieces, new systems. The Celtics are working in young pieces, while the Cavs are working in older pieces. Early in the season, absolutely, Boston's had that advantage with their youth. And they've gotten off to a quicker start. But you wonder, because the stigma is always experience is what wins in the NBA. Right. right. So I get the the Cavs are certainly hoping that come playoff time, it's going to be the the older pieces that they've already worked in that have an advantage over some of those younger pieces in Boston. But that's going to be an interesting. Those are the top two teams that many had expected to be sitting yep. at the top of the East going to the season. It's going to be interesting to see sort of the juxtaposition of those two throughout the year.
0: Before we go, yes or no if the Cavs season continues to fluctuate the way it is, is Tyloo on the hot seat at the end of it?
1: No. I mean, no asterisk?
2: <laughs> no, but, I mean, if LeBron does leave over the summer, they're going to be a very different-looking team, an organization that's clearly going to be looking further into the future than into the present. And at that point, does he become an expendable piece of the organization?
0: On that note... We will leave it with you. Yes or no? Is Ty Lue on the hot seat? We continue on here on TSN 1050. The Dark Guy and Todd Shapiro show is coming up next. Do remember, Thursday will be the next time you'll be able to hear the Raptors on the station. Pre-game, excuse me, tip-off is set for 7.30 p.m. right here on TSN 1050 as they take on the Pelicans. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to protect home court.